Welcome back to the Energy Today podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Roos, and let's get into it. I want to first take a look at the price of oil over the past week and then cover some developments coming out of Brazil. So first, like we always do here on the show, I want to discuss the price of oil. So as we've seen, WTI or West Texas Intermediate, the U.S. gauge for oil is currently trading at $61.50 per barrel. This is up from around $59 per barrel from the prior episode. And there seems to be a really strong narrative here for the oil price recovery. For example, Barclays sees Brent, the international oil gauge, sitting at $67 per barrel in 2021. Well, we also see Bank of America and Goldman Sachs both see Brent hitting seventy dollars um, during next the next quarter, so the second quarter of twenty twenty one. From what I've gathered here from these headlines, it seems that these banks and the broad market, for that matter, see continuing rebalancing from a supply demand perspective in the oil market. Continued drawdowns of oil, so those commercial crude in, crude inventories that I'll touch on later in this episode, and hopefully. Um, continued restraint from OPEC plus and U.S. drillers. Also, if you've been following the news this week, the new narrative uh, in the news is that inflation is becoming a concern as we've seen interest rates rise a bit, mainly reflected in bond yields. So inflation inevitably does lead to increases in the price of oil and oil is thought of to be an inflation hedge. <clears throat> Excuse me. So if you think that inflation is going to rise, buying oil can help hedge or decrease that inflation risk to a, to a portfolio. So this, among other reasons, lends itself to why some banks have been forecasting a new, quote, super cycle um, in the oil market. So many, many participants in the market are feeling good about oil um, this year, at least. That's a good thing. OPEC, on one hand, uh, which we have talked about extensively on the show, has an important meeting next week to discuss production cuts and their overall policy with oil supply management. Um, And it's widely expected that Saudi Arabia will officially reverse its extra 1 million barrel per day cut in April, and OPEC as a whole um, will likely reverse an additional 1.5 million barrels per day of cuts during the second quarter coming up. If they do this, um, they would still be holding back millions of barrels of oil from the market. Um, And it's important to remember that because of this, um, it's lent a lot of support for oil prices. Uh, It's one of the reasons why we've seen the run up to around $60 per barrel of WTI. Um, OPEC, in my opinion, has surprisingly done well sitting on their hands while we have seen the price of oil rally this year. Uh, And I expect them that they will reduce their uh, cuts starting in uh, starting in March and and April uh, after their meeting. So here in the U.S., we have seen rig counts continue to increase to 402 active oil rigs. So this is still down from last year before the pandemic really crushed uh, the oil market. But this reflects uh, continuing um, increases in rig counts. So something to, something to watch here. The bulk of these increases have come from states like Texas with the Permian uh, and Pennsylvania with the Marcellus uh, shale formation. So uh, crude inventories, like I mentioned earlier, have increased by 
1.3 million barrels uh, in the U.S. for the week ended February 19th. As a whole, looking at commercial crude inventories, um, we are right around that five-year average. So it's safe to say that we aren't really seeing a buildup in inventories of oil here in the U.S. Um, we'll likely see production start to tick back up as we work past the all-important <laughs> Texas freeze that knocked out uh, quite a bit of production um, during that week. So regardless of everything I just mentioned, the oil market story really remained fixed around demand returning as we come out of COVID, hopefully soon, I know that I hope so, um, and the continuing of monitoring actions coming out of OPEC as well as U.S. drillers. There's a big focus for U.S. oil companies to really reflect and, and demonstrate capital discipline and not drill just to drill. And they're going to have to get more creative going forward. And then on the OPEC side, we really want to see them be semi-accommodating going forward and just not flood the whole market um, with oil and really just tank the price of uh, oil. And I don't really see them doing this. Uh, there's really not a many economic benefits for any party to do this, but those few points are the main things to kind of watch out for. You know, you see this pop up on the news, definitely something to, to poke around and check out. So for this next segment, I wanted to shift gears a bit and talk about what's going on with the Brazilian oil company Petrobras. So never talked about Brazilian oil on this show, so I'm really excited to talk about this. So Petrobras is a state-owned Brazilian oil company focused uh, in the oil industry, obviously, and they're headquartered in Rio de Janeiro. Um, this company is really the best way to think of it, it's like kind of like an Exxon. They're involved in all aspects of the petroleum industry from exploring, producing, transporting, refining, marketing, all those things in and outside of Brazil, but they're state owned. So meaning that the state basically appoints and runs uh, in, in, in large part this company, kind of like uh, Saudi Aramco over in Saudi Arabia. So the reason why I bring up this company is that there is an important CEO change that was made last week and will actually take, a, take effect later in March. And I read an interesting article about this in the Wall Street Journal. I will definitely link it in the show notes, and I really wanted to share it with you all on the show. So because uh, Petrobras is state-owned, unlike in the U.S., where we have a much more fractured and competitive oil market, we have you know, we have ConocoPhillips, uh, Apache, Valero, all these bunch of different companies all competing um, to make money in the U.S. oil industry. So this isn't the case in Brazil. And this past week, we saw the president of Brazil um, make changes to the company um, and appoint a new CEO. And he can do this really as he pleases because this company is state owned. One interesting point. Um, back to the to the U.S. Uh, market is that we're one of the only countries in the world that its citizens that own the land also own the mineral rights mineral rights um, to their property. So in all other countries, the government owns the mineral rights. So in effect, the oil rights to your land. Meaning, like if in, in the U.K., for example, you might live on top of your couple of acres, but you won't own those mineral rights in the ground. The government will own those. So. <clears throat> So this is a possible reason of why many other major oil producing countries 
like Saudi Arabia, have state-owned oil companies. And for some context here, Brazil does rank at number seven as far as oil consumption in the world and ninth for oil production. So anyways, the issue with state-owned oil companies is that political leadership in the country has an incredible outsized, whatever you want to call it, amount of sway on these oil companies and their governance, governance for that matter. So what happened last week in Brazil, um, their president, Bolsonaro, forgive me if I pronounced that wrong, um, is replacing the current CEO, Roberto Branco, with General Joaquim Silva. So now you might be asking yourself, why am I talking about this? Why is Jackson talking about something happening in Brazil? Well, the, the answer to that lies in how interesting I find why the president is replacing the current CEO. The current CEO is much more free market focused than many think the president to be. And it's important to look at the current state of Brazil. They've had hyperinflation for some time, leading to a host of consequences such as starvation, those kinds of things. So Brazil is, in effect, undergoing an ongoing socioeconomic and sort of political crisis and throwing the pandemic on there, too. Um, those are whole other topics that I'm not going to get into on this specific episode. So back to the Petrobras situation. This company is incredibly indebted, and this is largely due to their fuel price subsidy, subsidization. So in effect, what this company was told to do by the government, again, because they're state-owned, was to sell fuel for less than it cost them to produce or import, causing a host of issues for the company. So the, this company was artificially suppressing fuel prices in hopes of helping their citizens, um, I guess, make it through this time period due to the hyperinflation concerns. So the current CEO stated that fuel subsidization has actually cost the company $40 billion. And this CEO is actually an, an economist trained at the University of Chicago here in the United States. Um, and ever since being appointed to CEO back in 2019 by this president, um, he unwound these subsidies and won a lot of investor support for doing so. Petrobras's debt fell from $95 billion when he started the job down to $63 billion at this point when I'm assuming he's going to be leaving soon. So enter in the president of Brazil who has faced calls for impeachment. He's decided that he's not going to renew the current CEO's term and is it going to appoint a general um, that no that has no oil and gas experience and actually served in the army alongside the president of Brazil uh, in their in the last uh, Brazil dictatorship. So I'm willing to draw the obvious conclusion here that the newly appointed CEO will be much more apt to subsidize fuel prices, kind of be more friendly to the president and, and their administration. So this will likely reverse much of the work the former CEO. Um, that economist uh, did in making the company more capitalistic and likely will cause the company's debt to increase. This um, timing of this really could not be worse. It comes at a time when Brazil's government has been rapidly increasing its deficits as they're kind of heading two fronts. They're combating the coronavirus and also the whole hyperinflation issue, which causes tons of problems within any specific country, um, and their debt-to-GDP level has actually risen to 
90%. And this is actually the highest uh, than any other major economy except um, our friends over in China. Um, so the crux of this whole story is it's just so fascinating to me that the president of Brazil is going to appoint an army general with zero oil and gas experience to be CEO of a major oil company um, and is going to be replacing an economist with years of oil and gas uh, experience. It's kind of like if if uh, Elon Musk came to me and was like, hey, we want you to run SpaceX. <laughs> no, it's just not going to it's not going to work out. So it'll be interesting to kind of see how um, that plays out. So these actions really have thrown into question the current president's pledge for economic reforms and really is a step in the wrong direction as far as their pledge to privatize some Brazilian state-owned businesses. And these actions did spook investors as investors really don't like uncertainty. And according to that Wall Street Journal article, again, I'll put the link in the show notes, Petrobras has lost $15 billion in market cap, market cap since the announcement of the CEO change. On top of all of this, um, I know if I've lost you, I'm sorry. Uh, I encourage you to go rewinding, I guess, pick back up where, where you kind of, uh, I guess, lost focus or anything like that. Um, this comes at a time when Petrobras is in the process of auction, auctioning off some deep water oil fields off of their coast in order to pay down debt and, quote, streamline their portfolio, according to their website. It makes me wonder um, if we see some of these companies participating in the bidding process to drop out of it because of some uncertainty regarding doing business with the country. At that point, I'm not really sure, but all in all, this is definitely an evolving story to watch, and I'm very certain that this will not be the last time uh, we see some news come out of Brazil, and more specifically Petrobras. So I hope that I did not get too far into the weeds here and that you enjoyed this episode. I will also put an article in the show notes regarding the energy transition um, that I found on oilprice.com and its impact on the oil market. I would encourage all my listeners to go check it out. Um, again, we'll put all the articles for the articles referenced within this show in the show notes. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Roos, and I hope you have a great week.